Last year, we had the wonderful opportunity to chat with two of the creators of Trailblazers. We were all hoping to talk to the other creators and contributors, as well as discuss everyone's recent publications, but unfortunately, we just didn't get that opportunity. Life happens with kids, jobs, and so much more. We hope you enjoy our interview with Dr. Brenna Hassett and Dr. Rebecca Rag-Sykes, and we hope you enjoy learning a little bit about how and why Trailblazers was created and what they continue and hope to continue doing with Trailblazers. Enjoy! Welcome to the Women in Archaeology podcast, a podcast about, for, and by women in the field. I'm Emily Long, and Today, I am joined by two of the creators of the amazing website, Trowblazers, Dr. Brenna Hassett and Dr. Rebecca Rag-Sykes. And I'm just absolutely thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being willing to come on and figure out a billion different time zones. Thank Thank you for accommodating that. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of fun getting um, a group of four people to do anything at the same time whatsoever. Exactly. It's it can be a, a unique challenge. We all, you know, challenge anybody to try to get multiple time zones across the the world together. <laughs> yeah, we. I think if we, how many times have we actually even met in person? Um, oh yeah, no, I think it's once. Just I once. Think that no, twice. Because when at Tori's house we met as well, and they're oh Tori's my gosh, yes. Yeah. I was so sick in... I barely remember that. <laughs> <laughs> nearly 10 years <laughs> oh god so, the yeah, whole women in archaeology group have the same problem we're scattered across and i think we've all been in the same room one time and it was a society for american archaeology conference and we all lucked out that we were in the same location we rented a house together <laughs> That sounds about right. And yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of one of the things that, um, you know, get, women getting together, you know, it's a little bit it's a little bit tough. This whole like, um, you know, supporting each other thing when you can't even find the time to meet up. Oh, exactly. Well, and as we all know, life happens. It makes it very hard. <laughs> Thing, things pop up. And I think we all all can cut each other a whole lot of slack when it comes to trying to get together. But I'm absolutely thrilled that we were able to get you today. Um, we're hoping to uh, definitely chat with the other creators of the Trailblazers um, at some point as well. But before we dive into what is Trailblazers and why our listeners should check it out if they haven't before, Becky and Brenna, can you tell us about our listeners about yourself, um, your background, uh, all of that exciting stuff. Yeah, sure. Do you want to go first, Brenna? Um, why not? <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so I am a biological anthropologist or bioarchaeologist, AKA digger of the dead. So that's my sort of professional archeological bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And I worked mostly in um, Greece and uh, Turkey, and I have no particular time period because, of course, I dig up dead people. And (laughs) so any period with people in it is okay, which it turns out is all of the periods. Um, Must keep you busy. Yeah, you'd think, you'd think. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah, so um, from my accent, people can probably tell that I don't belong in the town that I live in now, which is London. So I'm at UCL. I used to be at um, the UK's Natural History Museum, and I still sort of am a scientific associate there. Um, But I actually come from California, and I am a glorious product of the community college regime. So I don't know how I ended up in archaeology. I didn't even intend to go to university. Like, that was not on the cards. I just got super obsessed with, I took a physical anthropology class, which is what, you know, biological anthropology used to be called. Um, And I got really obsessed with it. And then somehow uh, time passed and this happened. And I don't know how that worked. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, okay. But I mean, it sounds like, you know, you you took that class and it was just like, and it's been bioarchaeology ever since. It's a lifetime of suffering based on one interesting class. I mean, be careful. There should be warnings. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I, I mean, I did. I did go ahead and do the masters and the PhD, and I, I write books about archaeology and anthropology, and I am super interested in it. Apparently, um, but yeah, yeah. Unexpected, unexpected archaeologist surprise. Hey, I think that's wonderful. And, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, you must have wanted to be an archaeologist your entire life. I was like, meh. I wanted to be that lady from um, Company who sings Ladies Who Lunch, the one with the (laughs) martini. That was my life goal. But we're working on that. (laughs) Hey, I wanted to, when I was really tiny, like as a toddler, apparently I was absolutely enamored with the fish tanks at the grocery store and I wanted to catch fish for uh, a grocery store. So, you know, you never know where your career is going to take you. Amazing. (laughs) But yeah, well, thank you for, for sharing that. And Becky, if you're ready, we'd love to have a, an introduction from you. Yeah, I think I think I fit into that boring thought they might be an archaeologist <laughs> since they were a small category. Um, I yeah. definitely was into history and thinking about the past and imagining the past. Um, and yeah, like I, I know that I was digging stuff up in my back garden. So I grew up in London, I'm in South London, and you know, there's bits of pottery in the garden. I dug that up, and like I have a drawing I made from I couldn't, I, maybe I was eight or nine, and this was from a holiday um, where I was really keen on collecting, you know, dead animals and bones, like a lot of archaeologists are. And I, I made a drawing of, um, comparing two skulls one said a very old rabbit skull and the other one said a very new rabbit skull so I was like into the taphonomy <laughs> really young <laughs> um so but yeah I did actually um I I thought I might do art actually at college um but frankly I wasn't like super genius talented I'm, I'm all right at art but I wasn't like you know could sort of set the art world alight so I my other passion was was um the past I did ancient history at school um so like classical Athens and Rome but I really was drawn towards archaeology and I did actually go on my first dig when I was 15 I think um I did the same in high school (laughs) oh well it was it was um it was like in the UK, they have a thing where when you're like about 14, 15, um, you have work experience, which is like you're supposed to organize to go and try out a career. Um, and so I went and did 
like a week in a central London advertising firm. I don't even know how that was arranged. I can't remember, but it was all very glam and media. And then I did a week on an excavation at Fishbourne Roman Palace in Sussex. And that was the one that hooked me. Um, so, yeah, just the experience of of actually excavating um, and finding things and and also just the, the field experience of living in tents and, and that camaraderie that you get on mm-hmm. field projects. That was just, I loved it. And um, kind of from then on, I was thinking, yeah, maybe I would do archaeology and um yeah I I did I went um and did undergraduate and then I started to feel like I might want to specialize towards deeper prehistory Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I was always like really interested in sort of you know ice age stuff like I mean I do I do have to give a, a big shout out to Jean Owl which I often do if I'm if I'm talking about podcasts in my book um but it is true. I, I read those those books by her, which, you know, um, if people don't know, I mean, I'm sure for this podcast, everybody who's listening <laughs> will have heard of Jean. Oh, surely not. Um, Clan but, of the Cave Bear, correct? Yeah. So like a series of novels um, that she started writing in the very beginning of the 80s, I think, or the late 70s. Um, and they're set around like this coming of age story of a girl um, in like the late Pleistocene, so about 32,000 years ago. And it's all set with, you know, all the vanished animals, woolly rhinos and everything. But it's more about her. But even more than that, it's about the the material culture, actually, of that period. Mm-hmm. You can tell that the author was really into it because, you know, she describes all the edible plants, all the different materials that they use. She, she actually... It, it was in a Jean Owl book was the first time I read, like, a description of flint napping and a striking mm-hmm. platform and I didn't know what the heck a striping platform was for years later but I was still sucked in so that that interest in in deep prehistory was there and I've decided to move towards that in my master's and my PhD and I ended up doing Neanderthal stuff and yeah then kind of um had struggled as a lot of people do to get a postdoc um mm-hmm. uh you know for a two or three years afterwards there wasn't anything and then I was super lucky and got a Marie Curie to go to France um for two years um so I was in Bordeaux for um two years and that was like a landscape archaeology project so it was some Neanderthal stuff but it was more like lithic sourcing in the landscape really cool stuff very challenging though I had to I had to excavate a, like a, a quarry site, a multi-period quarry site, which is just like a nightmare. Oh my <laughs> I imagine it's just like any any time your trowel hits the ground, it's just like ding, 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 well, ding. Oh yeah, ding. I mean, it's just like more more lithics than oh, wow. soil, and like you know, you need technologically specific stuff to pull out the chronological aspect of the site. And if if you like me are digging a site where the stone is really <laughs> tricky and it doesn't show that. <laughs> it becomes really hard so that was that was challenging um and yeah I came out of the postdoc and again like a lot of people struggled again to get something else Mm -hmm. and yeah then was just like actually I'm kind of gonna try and say sideways and go into writing because there was also book contracts and things that were happening already wow um but like in the background and so I decided to just really pursue that and we came back to the UK and then I wrote, finished writing uh, my book Kindred and yeah then that came out in 2020 <laughs> that's wonderful and, and won awards and like was yes. fantastic and made the New York Times like bestseller list and was just amazing 
Oh, not the bestseller list, if only. <laughs> okay, well, close enough. It got it got excellent reviews in the New York. Yes, it did. It did. Yeah. And it's it's a wonderful book, and we'll definitely be discussing it on the podcast, along with um, Brenda's wonderful books, too, which I'm really looking forward to reading. And I apologize for not having read them before. They sound really cool, and I'm looking forward to the yes. the one that's coming out in June. Well, you're so- checking the proofs now, aren't you, Brenna? It's very exciting. Okay, it, it, it would be a lot more exciting if I didn't keep on finding childhood spelled with a Z. Like, where does the Z go? Like, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's, yeah. It's the new cool spelling, childhood. Yeah, yeah. It's like, this, this can't be right, yeah. Just pretend you're coining a term and publish a paper on it, you know. <laughs> Pretty much everything can be a published paper if you try hard enough. That is the point of archaeology. That is true. And... Um, speaking of other published things and, and whatnot, trying to transition, because we've got so many wonderful things to talk about, and we'll definitely come back to um, the publications, is your other, um, I guess, published baby, in many <laughs> respects, Trailblazers. And yeah. uh, you are two of, of the four creators, correct? Yep, yep. So it's us and then um, Suzanne Pilar-Birch. And, of course, Victoria Herridge, who actually came up with the entire name and approximately 99% of the puns used on that site. <laughs> Fantastic. If we ever need, like, help with, with our academic publications, we always ask Tori <laughs> for our titles. Like, she should have a service. Like, puns being, here and there. Yeah. yeah, like, if you need a title, if you need, like, a funny caption, like, honestly, like, this is an untapped resource. This should be, she should be making money off of this somehow. Hmm. Well, maybe, I mean, I know I struggle with titles. I'm sure many archaeologists <laughs> out there struggle with just trying to create some, a, a little, a, a title for anything with some pizzazz. We now know where to go. And what, exactly. five bucks per, per title? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I don't know. What do you charge for genius? It's so difficult. <laughs> but I mean, what's amazing and looking at this website and our listeners, if you're not familiar with it, check it out. It's very, it's, it's fantastic. Trailblazers.com. Um, and so where, where did this idea come from? And, and why were you guys like, you know what, we need to fill this um fill this void that we might be seeing in the archaeological world and paleontological world that it it needs something but what is it i think it came from the same place that everything comes from which is anger and rage on the internet um (laughs) (laughs) like um i yeah i mean i i'm never good at remembering this story becky was it was it 2013 it was I think it was 2012, actually, yeah. when we may have been discussing this and, and we we all kind of knew each other on Twitter. I think Brenna and I had met already at a conference, mm-hmm. um, so we had seen each other. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know, it's just like a serendipitous moment of people being around and discussing stuff. And like you say, you know, I mean, clearly there's there's a huge amount of academic work that has been done on the history of archaeology and a much smaller amount of academic work done on the history of women's contributions, but it existed before us. Um, But it wasn't like there was no public facing resource Mm -hmm. to sort of share 
the stories and just the the overwhelming massiveness actually of the amount of women and what they were working on and who they knew and everything like this so that was kind of the gap I think wasn't it who was it Brenna that that sort of prodded us and said just set up a website oh I can't remember but we definitely it was such a weird conversation because I think we basically we were all tweeting about stuff and and like one of us would know one of us but we didn't all know each other but we all ended up basically we we all had these stories that were like mm-hmm. about women whose whose sort of um, contributions to the discipline we knew, but like other people didn't. Um, I mean, in my case, it wasn't a particularly non-famous. It was Kathleen Kenyon who was like a Dane, so like actually, mm-hmm. yeah, people did know her. She got you know whatever knighted, Daned. Um, but like, um, there were all these stories about all of these women, and they were like we were like oh we each know you know we can each think of women who their stories are totally ignored like they're not taught like you don't really hear about what they dug or whatever um and then somehow it like ended up in dms and like we should and we said we should start a tumblr because tumblr this is way oh, back yes, tumblr was really history. big in that time this is how old trailblazers is <laughs> <laughs> we're tumblr old and so and we were like and i think the original plan was like okay well we we each came up with a story so we were going to find some photos and um, we were going to each do a post. And it was like four posts and we were going to leave it up for like a month. Like it was like a month's worth of stuff. And then we were just going to go back to our normal lives. And that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> it like it snowballed. Like, I mean, I don't I don't even know how people found us. Yeah, I guess so many people were just really, really into it. And I think that's the thing we we just we just, I guess, saw that there was a real appetite within the archaeological community, but also outside it. And I think that was when we realised that there was scope to provide a resource that was actually useful for a lot of different people. Um, Mm -hmm. And also people were almost immediately, actually, I think, asking if they could contribute to this and write their own things. Yeah, that was the thing that really... Yeah, that that was the thing I think that that really built it. It's like we told our little stories and we're like, that's it. That, that's all the women that ever were. And then people <laughs> like started writing us and they're like, oh, no, no, no. Let me tell you. And they tell us about their um, undergraduate tutor, their fieldwork tutor, um, people who wrote pottery catalogs. They're no longer looked at except for their particular dissertation. And we just like, I mean, it just snowballed. People would write in and tell us about these women. We'd post something. Someone would read that and be like, oh, but did you know she worked with this other lady? And then we'd have to do another post and another post. And it got kind of an, out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> and is that where then from there, you're just like, we we need somewhere to have this all consolidated. And yeah, therefore we, we the website. That Tumblr was not going to cut it. And in fact, <laughs> it wasn't just that. It was because initially when we, when we used a Tumblr, it was because we thought that the visual stuff would be the primary sort of content and um, mm-hmm. you know all these really striking photos and the the written stuff was more minor but actually people you know the amount of stuff that there was to write and what people wanted to say it kind of made more sense that you know that we would have a website as well as just for the size and the amount of stuff but that it would allow us to be a bit more flexible I think about the content. Mm-hmm. I do think it's incredible that it picked up so quickly because I know for myself in college and even graduate school, it the, there was never really a focus on the women who contributed. You'll hear about, um, what is it like Pitt Rivers and Sir Mortimer Wheeler and 
Those no guys. one ever talks about Tessa. And Tessa <laughs> is way more important. Tessa touched so many more people's lives than yeah. Mortimer Wheeler, which is a good thing because you don't want Mortimer Wheeler touching you. No, <laughs> yeah. but no it is it's so true. And I think the other thing that's that's fascinating is that there is the the dominance of the male narrative and there has been for so long but also even when the women are discussed they get stuck in these little sort of here's the woman box in Mm -hmm. the textbook you know it's like there's little ghettos and that's completely not what we want to you know to to continue that was something we actually got to change which was one of the coolest things we've done which was um we got asked to contribute to um the kind of uk based textbook is um archaeology by renfrew and bond and they yeah it was really exciting so we got we got um called in to um i don't know womanify the um (laughs) the the text and um one of the first things that um i think it was Susie actually who saw it she's like so your history of archaeology chapter, you put the women in a box. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe not have them in the box, but they're not—they're not, they're not contagious. Like they're not what? Like so, and it's a really good point. It's like what you know. We need to to not act like women weren't actually functioning as archaeologists. They're not so much a special case um, that you know you need to be freaked out when you see one. <laughs> well, that's an an excellent way to end our first segment. Is that that women are contagious, and they should be in all parts of our textbooks, not just the little like specialty box. When we come back, we'll Lady Ghetto, discuss... yes, Becky. <laughs> when we come back, we will talk more about Trailblazers, uh, the website, and um, articles on there, and the different initiatives and collaborations that Becky and Brenna have done. We'll be back. Did you know that we have a blog? Check out the Women in Archaeology website for a variety of blog posts, as well as past episodes. Interested in supporting the podcast? From the website, you can check out our Patreon account and learn about the different ways to help support the blog and podcast. We can give you a cool sticker in return. Again, thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Women in Archaeology podcast. I'm Emily Long, and my fellow host, Kirsten Lopez, is joining us, um, as well as our wonderful guests, Dr. Brenna Hassett and Dr. Rebecca Rag-Sykes. And we're absolutely thrilled having them. And in the last segment, we uh, talked a little bit about the creation of Trailblazers um, and how it just kept growing and growing um, to the need to have a website. And then it also brought up the the need for how the stories are told and who's included um, in those stories. So jump on in. This, thank you for giving us the opportunity. Um, it's it's one of the things the sort of Trailblazers project like we we set out with this whole aim of you know resetting imaginations and using these pictures so that um, you know these visual images that were really striking so that people could see themselves in the field and see that women had been in the field. Um, but we did realize eventually, slowly, too slowly, um, we were getting a lot of the same kinds of stories. 
So we've, we've talked and researched a lot about how important like networks, mentorship, role models, like these are the things that kept women in archaeology when they weren't allowed to actually be in archaeology in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but also these networks and role models and mentorship, like all these women, a lot of these women that we were featuring, they all knew each other. They were all the same social class. They were all basically uh, white, wealthy Anglophones. And so we realized that that's actually probably, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking about like networks and supporting women, but we're, we're only telling a certain kind of woman's story. Mm-hmm. And um, so one of the stories um, that uh, Tori, um, uh, Tori Herridge brought out, which was really, really interesting. And she, she was looking at some research done by Pamela Jane Smith on this was um, so Dorothy Garrett is the first female professor of archaeology at Cambridge and it's like a huge oh. big deal and she's super famous and like they had an archaeological themed dinner when she was like elected it was amazing apparently there's a menu somewhere um but she went off and she led these like all-female digs and she just was super amazing right but there's this picture in the Pitt Rivers archive of Professor Garrett standing next to a local Palestinian woman who is called Yusra and it's labeled, you know, with Yusra and child. Now Yusra, you know, no last name, was a local laborer, like for hire, and would have worked with a bunch of other women on site, basically like sieving fines, you know, mm-hmm. just basically doing all the sieving and all the like, you know, grunt work. And um, we don't know anything about Yusra really. We we have uh, Garrett's notes telling us, um, you know, that Yusra was working on site and stuff, but nobody's ever heard of Yusra. But it turns out Yusra was sitting there uh, working on the site where Garrett discovered the important Neanderthal fossils, um, the Taboon fossils. The person who actually found the little fossil tooth that became Taboon 1 wasn't Garrett. It was Yusra. She found it in a sieve. So, you know, there's this woman who actually made an incredible contribution to archaeology. And she did apparently tell Garrett at some point that she would have liked to go to Cambridge. She would have liked, but it was impossible because of her class, her ethnic origin, you know, her, you know, it was just never going to be possible. So there are all sorts of people who've contributed to archaeology in so many ways. And if we only tell the stories that we can find in the archives of, you know, rich, educated Western human beings, we're not going to find their stories. So we we found we really needed to work harder on our archive to mm-hmm. to tell these stories that we just couldn't, you know, uh, rely on, well, you know, who's who's got the fancy, um, you know, archive dropped off in the Cambridge Library or whatever. Like, this is, you know, uh, something that we had to think about consciously. Mm-hmm. But it takes work. I bet. Oh, I don't doubt it the story of Yusra, is that part of the Women in Time uh, collaboration? Yeah, that was Tori. Um, that was, I think, for British Science Week. She got funding um, and went to another archive, which was the archive of Jaquetta Hawkes, who was a student of Garrett's. Um, and I think she was like Garrett's top scoring student. She got a scholarship and basically Garrett took her out to um, the excavation at Mount Carmel at Taboon. Um, and so we also have material because Jaquetta had kept a diary during this excavation. You know, she was a really young woman, just finished university, and she was out there. This was, I think, probably her first major field experience. 
Um, and she was kind of supervising Yusra and some of the other women. Um, you know, again, very interesting colonial thing. Those women were probably more experienced than her already. <laughs> and yeah. she, she's the one supervising and did not find the uh, the actual piece of the Neanderthal. Um, but yeah, Tori pulled her story out of that. She transcribed um, the, the journal um, and then put on this really fantastic kind of like poetry performance piece Um with someone from the archive as well at University of Bradford, um, all about kind of these three, you know, these multiple strands, Jaquetta Hawks, Dorothy Garrard, Yusra, and also the Neanderthal woman um, mm-hmm. herself. So that was a really, mm-hmm. I guess that kind of encapsulates more the kind of thing that we started to move towards as trailblazers, which was to, I guess, get a little bit more nuanced, um, get away from the sort of yay hero women, which, you know, is great and it's powerful and we still need to do it. But to to kind of look more at the context and what's Mm -hmm. the biggest story, what stories are not being told, like Brenna says. Um, And, yeah, kind of think about connections between women. And, you know, I I know Brenna will, will certainly agree this is the thing I think that has come out from trailblazers that's most powerful it's it's that we're not just talking about individual women's achievements we want to look for the the networks between them of training of mentoring of actual research collaborations and that's something that is so so big and fascinating um Mm -hmm. and that's i think really the direction that we've been going for probably the second half of of what trailblazers of our existence as it were nice (laughs) so that that whole um oh sorry go ahead no go ahead oh no i was i was just gonna say like that whole performance art thing um you know that i think that also encapsulates the the slightly wild and woolly approach like we we are not a very sensible project. We had no plan. We still don't have a plan. I mean, we couldn't even get like all of us on this podcast. Like we have no plan, <laughs> but, um, but like the, you know, that's allowed us to be really flexible with what we think Trailblazers is and what we think Trailblazers does. So like sometimes we've been able to do really useful things like um, sell little bags with images so that we can raise money so that we can give people bursaries to go to conferences. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we've been just like able to, totally create stuff that that's just there and like our core mission is like reset imaginations like imagine that there were women there I know it's hard to do but imagine it and like Mm -hmm. so um Becky basically led this amazing thing this thing (laughs) that Becky did um which convinced senior colleagues to dress up in costume for pictures I think, you know, that, that, so this is the Raising Horizons exhibit, which, which um, Becky can tell you about, but it's like, we get to do really cool things with this. And I think, I think that's kind of been part of the, the stuff that, you know, that's why Trailblazers has survived is because it's not just a website. It's also Mm -hmm. things like the Raising Horizons exhibit. Oh, and please, if you could dive into um, the Raising Horizon, Horizons exhibit, um, I know, oh gosh, and I'm so terrible with names. I know one of our guests was one of your Raising oh. Horizons. <laughs> so how that project came about was, again, actually another example of the whole Women in Networks thing in that we were approached by an artist, um, his photographer, Lenora Saunders, um, and she was really well recognised for doing a lot of projects around, um, I guess, sort of 
putting forward minorities um, in their professional context and putting them front and center. So her, a lot of her work was on women. Um, so she already had exhibitions like, you know, about women in, in the building trade and things like this. Um, and she contacted us and said, I have an idea. I want to make an exhibition where women now so she contacted us and said um i have this idea i want to make an exhibition where women today are basically um dressed up and posed as their counterparts from the past so past and present women archaeologists um and she said you know this this idea is really cool but i don't know anything about the history of archaeology so she she just you know said i don't know anything about the history i don't know any names um so would you guys be able to help and i said of course you know like we we would love to do this um just because it sounds really really fun um and just because you know the way trailblazers works as brenna said we're quite flexible and you know, if somebody's available to do a project and they're interested in it and the others are not so interested, then that's kind of how it works. So I was available to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And I really fancied, <laughs> um, you know, working with Lenora. And so with her, um, it was, yeah, I basically was able to just say, right, here is a range of, of women, not just in archaeology, also geology and paleontology, because Trailblazers does do the earth sciences as well. Mm-hmm. So we could just do archaeology. Um, and so, you know, I kind of went through and thought, well, who should we have? Um, so so it was kind of basically like a dream project, actually, you know, like how can we represent women from the past? Um, what I was really conscious of was that we didn't want to just, you know, have a very traditional range of archaeologists um we wanted to have coverage of all different kinds of people but also mm-hmm. to kind of yeah i guess disrupt things a little bit and you know put in individuals who were working at different levels in their in their professions so we have some people who are professors some people who are um you know much earlier in their careers mm-hmm. um and also, um, although the, the past women were basically all white, um, with the women who we invited to sort of personify and, and these, these past women and, and kind of have connections um, in their own work with these past women, um, we, we ensured that there was a, a much broader sort of representation of the mm-hmm. kind of women working today um, in archaeology. So it was just a dream project you know to sit with with Lenora and come up with these suggestions and look for links between the women and then like you know come up with ideas with Lenora for for like the poses what should they be posed as what props Mm -hmm. should be in the pictures and that was just so much fun and we actually got some historic like objects and things like there's one of the portraits of um of Kathleen Kenyon um Mm -hmm. Uh, it has a historic camera from the 1930s because she started off her career actually um, photographing material um, on the field project with Gertrude Caton Thompson. So, like, <laughs> and as car mechanic, she was also the car mechanic. Very important <laughs> to recall. 16 years old, mm. you know, Dame Kathleen Kenyon. Yeah. Prior to the Dame bit, she got taken yeah. on as photographer and car mechanic because you could be both. I liked that. That was my favorite thing about her. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like 
some of some of the links were kind of interesting um like with with Kathleen Kenyon um you know yeah. she's she's very much known for her field projects um and that kind of field methodology and so the person I chose to represent her or I invited um was uh, Shahina Farid mm-hmm. um who you know she I think at the time she was working for uh, Historic England in the scientific dating team um I think now she's she's a board director at Molo and she still does other things but also she she had an incredible reputation as a field archaeologist um in particular for her work at um Tatelhuyuk um you know absolute foundational site for prehistoric archaeology so I kind of really liked that connection between those women in terms of what they are known and, and respected for so that was that was kind of, that represents the sort of links that I wanted to to create and yeah, Having yeah, dug yeah. under Shahina, I can definitely attest that she um, was definitely boss lady of Chatal. Like, forget <laughs> the Lapsarian mother goddess stuff. No, no, no. What you're talking about is Shahina. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah so it, I mean, the, it was a really amazing experience. I mean, but we came up with the idea, and then we had to crowdfund it, um, which mm-hmm. was a super steep learning curve for me because um, I'd never done that. Lenora hadn't either, so I managed all of the crowdfund. And yeah, amazingly, we we raised like eleven thousand pounds, which wow. um, paid for yeah the shoot um, and the materials and you know because it's it was a proper you know art quality portrait exhibition. Um, oh, yeah, and the and the portraits are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I mean they look like oil paintings. They're absolutely mm-hmm. stunning. Um, and so yeah, we we launched it at the Geological Society in London, which was just beautiful. And somebody attending there, you know, kind of said at the launch party that you know there was more women in that room than they had ever seen before. Not just the, oh. the portraits, but everybody at the launch. It was just so oh, wow. women centric. It was beautiful. And and then we went on tour for two years. So it opened in 2017, and I think the last. Yeah, the last touring was um, 2019. So yeah, it was it was incredible. Really, really wonderful collaboration. That's Very amazing. Nice. And I love that branching out into these different ways of showcasing women in the past, women in the present, and also going beyond just, you know, our, 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 more colonial roots I suppose in in archaeology um from with women in that time and one thing I have noticed um on the website are more articles of women of um uh different backgrounds different countries different fields and it's really lovely to see the growth um, I want to shout out to to my students for some of the last some of the really awesome work they've done. I, I think like one of the, one of the things I've got to say is like we are we we are a community organization. Like almost everything we put up there is community sourced. And um, for the last two years, I've been running a digital fieldwork project, and it's been undergraduates who um, they get a little bit of direction from me and like some help but basically I just sort of say you know we have a little chat at the beginning of each course and we say like what's wrong with this picture is it too uh, stale pale and female yes okay let's talk about why that is and um it's actually the undergraduates from um UCL archaeology have been honestly amazing like 
they've gone out and collaborated with the Society for Black Archaeologists to um, interview um, people at all stages of their career, you know, people doing PhDs, people who are actual professors, and trying to capture a lot more of what it is to be a woman in archaeology, because not everyone is a dead white professor. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. you know, like people want to, there are other experiences. Not everyone goes on profession. Like, I mean, um, I'm a forever postdoc. I don't have a permanent job. Becky is an amazing, you know, famous author um, with academic affiliation, but not necessarily like in a traditional academic career. Mm-hmm. Like, there are so many ways to be in archaeology, and we need to be aware of that. Yeah. And and think about what it means for how you do archaeology and how we tell people archaeology is done. Mm-hmm. And definitely, you know, because the way we write women out of history is by saying their contributions weren't real archaeology. Oh, they just did the catalog. Oh, yeah. Well, they wrote the manuscript, but, you know, um, I took credit for it. Or, you know, like there's there's mm-hmm. a history of this. So we need to be super aware of all the things that go into being archaeology. And we need to give credit for all the parts that make archaeology happen, even if they're not like being super fancy professor or whatever it is and hopefully hopefully we're doing more of that because my students are so awesome and they make like they did like videos and they called people and they like they had interviews with people like Pakistan and like did multi like we're now doing multilingual posts so I will Mm -hmm. definitely say if any of the listeners out there know about awesome women that we don't know about please write in tell us about them Um, we're trying really hard to do bilingual posts now so if you have someone who for instance you know normally works in a different language and you want to do a bilingual post amazing we love you please please get in touch please email (laughs) so what's the email oh we are team trailblazers at gmail.com and you can find us on the website and twitter and like everything else but um I mean, we need to break out of our little, uh, what was that? Our, our, our women ghetto and, and actually like, you know, expand because otherwise we're just telling the same story and it's, you know, no better than what's been done to women's history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that is an excellent way to end the segment and please check out, um, the contact page on Trailblazers um, and email because more contribution more contributions the more the merrier i think that's wonderful we'll be back that is the end of this episode life happens we unfortunately were not able to talk about rebecca and brenna's publications brenna wrote the fascinating built on bones 15,000 years of urban life and death which explores why our ancestors chose city life despite rampant diseases and all the many problems of sanitation within a metropolitan lifestyle, which are visible on human remains. I need to get it on my Kindle ASAP. It looks like a really fun book. Her most recent 2022 publication is the wonderful Growing Up Human, The Evolution of Childhood, which tracks how humans evolved from our primate relatives to have longer childhoods, greater investment in our offspring, um, all the evolution that led to difficult pregnancies and births, which we can see through the fossil and archaeological record. I loved this book. The Wall Street Journal reviewed the book, saying, and I quote, superb and often hilarious. Growing up human is what happens when science meets an unusually entertaining and uninhibited writer. Should be appreciated by anyone pregnant, planning to be pregnant, or who has ever had a child or been one. End quote. So pretty much everybody. 
would enjoy this book. Rebecca wrote, Kindred, Neanderthal Life, Love, Death, and Art, which is a critically acclaimed international bestseller. It is beautifully written and accessible to a much wider audience than just the archaeological community. It shows how incredibly interesting, curious, and innovative Neanderthals were, far beyond the dumb caveman cliche. The New York Times reviewed the book, saying, quote, important reading not just for anyone interested in these ancient cousins of ours, but also for anyone interested in humanity, end quote. Again, another book that anybody and everybody would enjoy. I thoroughly enjoyed reading this book. All of these books are available on Kindle, um, Barnes and Noble. Highly recommend checking them out. Definitely check out the Trailblazers website at trailblazers.com as well as their twitter which is at trailblazers remember to review rate and subscribe to our podcast and you can find us at at women on twitter uh, women and and at women at gmail.com again thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time